Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome to She Talks, a space for you to come home to your inner wisdom, which I call your she. I'm Sarah Von Stover, a teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality, a best-selling author, and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. Every summer, I share a seasonal series here on the podcast called Poolside Sutras. So throughout the month of June, over the next three weeks, I'll publish a handful of episodes in this series. Each of these features a she talk, which was recorded live at the last she yoga and meditation teacher training, which I offered this past February on the island of Koh Samui, Thailand. 
Now, hanging out by the pool with a good book or a podcast has always been one of my favorite summer activities. So in this spirit, poolside sutras are meant to inspire and educate you in a fun and portable way during all of your summer excursions, or for those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, your vacation excursions to the beach, on a hike or road trip, at the gym, or of course, by the pool. And best of all, Poolside Sutras give you a taste of the Shi Yoga and Meditation Teacher Training, which is taking place next in one of my favorite places on the planet, Tulum, Mexico, from December 1st to 8th, 2018. This is a week-long teacher training and practice intensive in women's yin and flow yoga, Buddhist meditation with a feminine perspective, and Shi Dharma. If you want to teach and inspire women in your community or simply feel hungry for a retreat to nourish your own body and soul, this is for you. And while there's no pool at our Tulum venue, we have it even better. We'll literally be right on the beach. Not only that, but this year's venue is incredibly intimate. We have space for 17 women and we only open this training for registration once a year. If you're curious and want to learn more, you can visit shiyogatraining.com. And for now, roll out your towel, soak up the twinkling blue view and enjoy this poolside sutra. halfway point of our training and it's always a good time the second half always seems to really fly by it's always a good time just to check in with oneself like what was my intention for coming here and really look back in your manual this evening and just assess where you are in relationship to that See if there's anything you want to shift or tune within yourself. And I want to answer some questions that came in. Uh, The first one, a request to do a five-minute gong before the end of the asana practice. So, Karina, if you could do the five-minute bell before the end of each of the self-led sessions the next few days, that'd be great. Living from a multi-sensory place, does it mean reading into people's minds and energy or not reading into people's minds and energy? My feeling is not reading into people's minds and energy. There's really no like right or wrong answer to that. Multi-sensory just means that living beyond our five senses and engaging more faculties than that. And one of my friends and colleagues who's a teacher in, she teaches, she's an intuitive and she teaches people how to be intuitive. She's actually one of the guest teachers in the Shear She School, giving us a, a course on how to be more intuitive. But one of the main things she says is it's about empathy. Like intuition is really, and being psychic is really about empathy. And it's not about being able to read someone's mind or tell what, what they're feeling. It's actually just tapping into that resource of empathy that we all have. 
and really tuning into another person. So it can be using empathy, it can be using that kind of spidey sense, that sixth sense of intuition. You know, some people can see auras, uh, some people can feel auras. So it's, it's starting to rely on senses that are beyond those related to the physical realm, beyond the three-dimensional realm, moving into the fourth and even fifth-dimensional realms. And it's, again, there's no right or wrong. It's just a matter of inquiring within yourself and uh, exploring the world from different vantage points. And certainly, like these types of practices help to tune us in to those, just to break out of the three-dimensional. Something that's nice to do before going to bed is um, if you have a connection with an angel or like I have connection, I have a strong connection with Archangel Michael, so I'll ask him to please clear out anyone's energy that's in my field. And especially as women, we're empathic and we're sensitive and if we're working with people, you know, I've, I've had a lot of experiences where I, I just learned the negative effects of just having other people's energy, a lot of other people's energy globbed onto mine and learning each night to ask Archangel Michael, clear out this energy and also clear out any kind of smutsy energy of my own, any, you know, any kind of gnarly emotions that I've had or thoughts that I've been in, just clear those out and help shift me from the third dimension into the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh dimension in my sleep and to be healed in my sleep and to wake up in a really refreshed place. So it can be, it can be nice to just tend to those more etheric parts of yourself before sleep. And we'll be, we'll be doing also a little bit of energy clearing practices uh, when we move into the more subtle koshas in the next couple days. Question about the instructions in the four-part check-in that I mentioned about the body not just back pain, but go deeper. I usually scan my body for tensions, not sure to understand what you meant by going deeper. Uh, I was talking about something different in that case, but I'll, I'll mention both cases. So the four-part check-in, again, we'll get the answer depending upon what question we ask. So if we're just scanning our body saying what tension is here, then we're only gonna answer what tension is here. But the body is the awakened state. The body is 95% of our consciousness. And there's so much more there for us to pick up than just aches and pains, right? Like, you, like yogis learn how to stop their hearts through yogic practice. Like that's something the body could teach you. So to be open to start to look for other things in the body besides things that are going wrong. And again, there's no like right or wrong answer to this. It's, it's just having an open-ended curiosity to see what else is here that I'm not noticing, what else is happening. And the case where I mentioned not just back pain, it was in meditation with noting. It's, um, you know, if there's, if there's a big pain, like for instance, 
if you're sitting a long time and there's a strong knee pain, like when I've done meditation retreats and we're not moving, we're sitting for an hour and not moving, and maybe it's been like many hours of this, there can be an excruciating knee pain. And it's like, okay, so how am I gonna, how am I gonna get through this hour with this knee pain? And if I'm just, if I'm just fixating on the knee pain, like, oh my God, my knee hurts so much. Oh my God, my leg's gonna fall off. Oh my God, how am I gonna do this? I'm not gonna make it. But instead, if I use those techniques that I was mentioning yesterday from just basic pain management techniques, like what is the nucleus of the sensation? Is, it, is the nucleus of the sensation moving? Starting to break it down and get curious about it. That, that's what I was meaning there. And we'll do some practices with that in the yin yoga. Resources for working with limiting beliefs. So as I mentioned this morning, NLP is one. And Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, is another one. The practice of what's mostly going to change it, though, is the ongoing practice of your awareness of your thoughts and your willingness to keep reaching for a healthier thought and catching those moments catching that addiction to thinking that way, and then the whole cascade of feelings that go along with it. So the most long-term maintenance for that is going to be uh, meditation. But meditation that just goes beyond you just sitting down and, and thinking and not being aware of your thoughts while, you, while you're sitting. And, What's really going to get you there is a long meditation retreat, you know, at least seven days. Um, at least one of those a year is really where you're going to start to experience more of, the, more of the richness that a meditation practice can offer. Like you can get little pieces of it. And, you know, in this case, we, we do a lot more meditation than, you know, most yoga retreats but it's still nothing like what it would be just going to a retreat and simply meditating and being in silence for seven to 10 days or even up to 21 to 30 days. That's when things really start to shift. Book on running an online business specifically. There actually aren't really good books on this because online businesses, the world of online businesses changes so rapidly with technology. Uh, like Tim Ferriss, when he wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, maybe, I think that was like 11, 12 years ago, um, that, that's a good book because it can help you start thinking about, you know, how can I really maximize my efforts and scale, think about things in a different way. But one of the reasons why he hasn't updated it is because the moment that he updates it, that technology is going to be outdated and there's going to be other stuff. So one of my colleagues and friends, Jennifer Lee, wrote a great book called The Right Brain Business Plan. And this is 
you know, I think for any sort of business, it's a really more fun and engaging way of um, of putting a business plan together, whether it's brick and mortar or an online business. But I think ultimately the best way is to um, to work with a mentor, to work with a coach, to work with someone that, that you admire what they're doing and where things can be tailored towards who you are, what you're interested in, what kind of life you're interested in leading and how, how you can create a business model around that and really learning from other people's trial and errors because there's, it's, a, it's a really massive subject. <laughs> Recommendation for meditation postures for women um, who have discomfort in sitting due to prolapse. It depends on the woman. I mean, it depends on what kind of prolapse she has and how severe it is. And definitely we're gonna want the forward rotation of the pelvis. Definitely, we're going to want the pelvis higher than the knees. Definitely, we're going to want soft cushion. Definitely, we're going to want uh, practices that bring the Udana Vayu, that upward movement, the lifting of the feet, di the diaphragms and the feet, the lifting of the pelvic diaphragm. We're going to want her working with a pelvic floor physical therapist doing biofeedback in the pelvic floor to regain an understanding of and, and consciousness in the tissues, to strengthen them, to draw the organs back in. So it's not just gonna be the meditation, but we're gonna to wanna to look at a lot of other things outside of the meditation that can then allow her to come uh, to a more comfortable posture. And also we're focusing on the four meditation postures that the Buddha taught. We're, we're focusing on sitting, laying down, standing, and walking. So why might, why might, why might we, we be doing all of these? Yes? I personally know people that think they fail at meditation because the first thing they try is to sit still, and they're either they have anxiety or something like that, so you walk, walk in nature. Yeah. Start where you're successful. Yeah. Totally. Just like a car, like you wouldn't try to go from neutral to fourth gear. Like you wanna, you wanna ease into it, or vice versa. You don't kind of wanna go from fourth gear to neutral. You wanna gradually downshift. Yep. So ones that are more active can help meet us where we are. Other. Yeah, there, there's always an option for us. So lying down, if we're sick, we can lay down. If we're in an airport, uh, we can walk, we can stand. If we're standing in line, we can stand. So these four postures, they cover all of life's activities. 
So they prepare us to really be in our fullness and our full faculties through whatever we're doing. So when you're in walking meditation, it's like, can you walk with the dignity of your highest self? Of your future, you know, your future self, the woman that you are walking towards, the woman that you are becoming, because we're always becoming. Can you sit as her when you go to sleep? Can you go to sleep with that regalness, with that awareness? So there's always a posture to meet us where we are through whatever we're doing. And one thing about laying down in this room is I would encourage sometimes if most of the room is laying down, it can start to bring the energy of everyone down. So I invite you to use laying down when you absolutely need to, when you're feeling sick, um, if you're bleeding, if there's some sort of injury happening. But otherwise, work to, work to maintain alertness to help keep the energy of the group in a higher place. And as a leader, when you're leading, you're not going to be lying down, yes or no. Yeah. So something to be aware of, Thai traditions, if, you, if anyone has gone to a Thai temple, you, and same in Indian traditions, you never put your feet towards um, the altar or towards another person. Like, this feels weird for me to do. Like, it sort of feels like... Yeah, always keeping our feet uh, pointing away from other people and pointing away from, from the altar. It's a nice practice to do as well, just to honor um, the sacred, like the flow of energy within a practice space. And that's something that I think has gotten lost. Same if you're sitting in a circle, not, you know, not pointing your feet into the center of the circle, but tucking them back away from you or, um, you know, like putting them over putting them over to the side, something we can learn from Asian cultures. So yes, with organ prolapse, um, can, can lay down, can elevate the hips, can be creative. Meditation doesn't have to be uh, this rigid, fixed thing. And same with us practicing as women. In Iyengar yoga classes, there's always a space in the back for the moon club, for women who are cycling, or any woman who is sick or just needing to do a different kind of practice. You can kind of go in the back with, with some other women and do, do a different practice. So there's still a sense of community and coming together, but there's space for, for each person to take care of themselves. And a question about what Dakini means again. 
This is Machi Bhadran. I'll pass this around. And uh, there's a chapter on Dakinis in my second book, The Book of She, called The Golden Dakini, where I talk more about them. And also a recent podcast that I did on the podcast that's called She Talks um, on Dakinis. And basically, Machip Bhaktaran is an 11th century Tibetan um, tantric yogini. And Dakinis were really like royalty in Tibet and in northern India. They were, at the time, they were the only women who could own property. And they really, they were, they were like the equivalent of, if anyone has seen the movie Dangerous Beauty, have you seen that movie about the courtesans in Italy? So it was, it was a similar tradition. It's a really cool movie, Dangerous Beauty, I think. A uh, similar tradition where these women were, were very influential and had access to like the higher echelon of society. And Dakinis basically transmitted their, their um, spiritual insight through their sexuality. So they were highly revered for this way. They were, it's like a sacred prostitute. And there is actually a book called The Sacred Prostitute, which is a good, really good book as well that, that talks more about this tradition in different parts of the world. And these Dakinis, they really kind of lived by their own rules. As you can see when you look at the photo of Machik Lovdran, there, there's a wildness. There is, a, um, there is a, a sexual, an overt sexuality to her. And there is a freedom. And there was a lot of deep practice. Like I said, they would often go and practice in the channel grounds and just go to go to the places where no one wanted to go and see, can I achieve a state of you know, great clarity and great insight, even amidst so much destruction and so much, um, thing, so much that people would normally avoid and think that they needed to practice in a really pristine place in order to achieve and reach these states. And it's said that a dakini enters your life when the rug is pulled out from underneath you because the dakini is the creative principle in life. And she's very playful and mischievous. And she'll come into your life in a very unexpected way. Because sometimes the way that your consciousness can expand and open is through a way that you would least expect. It said that the Dakinis speak the twilight language and that they're most present at the time of dusk and dawn. And the word for Dakini in Sanskrit is Khandro, and it means sky dancer. So it's said that they also fly through the sky. There's a new book coming out in May, which I'm really 
looking forward to reading by Lama Sultram Alione, which is about the Dakinis. And she really talks about how the Dakini is the archetype that we need in the world, in the world right now to meet the gale force winds that we're facing. And I agree, it's this, it's, it's like this, it's the word that's coming to mind is like rebellious. Um, they're not dainty, like they're very, they are dainty, you know, they're very beautiful and they're very exotic and they're very refined, but they're also so badass, right? Like dancing on skulls and drinking blood out of skull caps and, you know, facing all of life and finding the transformation in that. And that's the kind of woman that is really being birthed through all of us, the flavor of the feminine that's being birthed through all of us right now, if we choose to allow it and to open to it. We don't have many role models of women warriors. That's why I think it's been so interesting, and that's what I was talking about in my podcast a couple months ago, is like this, um, these emergent archetypes like Wonder Woman. Like I just loved that movie, if anyone saw that, with Gal Gadot and Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones. It's like this whole new kind of woman that we hadn't seen before in stories and on the big screen, and that, that's just what we see there, it's just like a precursor of what's coming. And then I don't know if anyone's been following Elizabeth Cronus McLaughlin, uh, the founder of Gaia Leadership Project. Yeah, she's, she's started leading these things called Resistance Live on Facebook Live in the spring. She is a former lawyer and she just started, she just turned on Facebook Live at the recommendation of a friend and just started talking about political stuff from the standpoint of a woman. And she has, and now she has like millions of followers. And I, I listened to one of her podcasts because now they're also syndicated on a podcast because they've gotten so popular. And it's just a woman who, you know, she's really just speaking her mind and putting herself out there in just a really bold and brave way. And it's, it's really ballsy, it's really gutsy, and it's really cool. And th this, this is the kind of energy that's coming forth, a new flavor of women's leadership. It's not masculine. It has masculine energy. It has the power of masculine energy, but it's a distinctly new kind of feminine that has always been here, but I think it's been asleep for a long time because it's so, um, it can be so intimidating to a lot of people. This is like getting it, I can get chills thinking about it. This is, we're getting to the fullness of women's, of a woman's power that was buried because it was just so powerful. And now it's coming back. And we're a part of that. We have a chance to be a part of that. And it really comes back to that place of like 
Who do I dare to be? What do I dare to take a stand for? What is it that only I can do? How much of myself, like how fully myself am I willing to be? Regardless of whether or not people like me or what other people think. Because what hurts us isn't what other people think, it's what we think about what other people think about us. And as little girls growing up, like that was the main thing, is always to make, uh, make sure other people like you. You gotta be liked to survive. And when we grow older, that's the number one thing that's, that holds us back. I see that really clearly now with every single woman that I work with. Same with myself, same with all my friends. It's, it's that, worrying about what other people think at some deep level. Sorry? I don't know the name of it, but it's Lama Sultra Malione's new book. Um, yeah, I don't know the name of it. I don't think it's been publicized yet. Yeah, you can go to taramandala.org. That's her website. She has a retreat center in Southern Colorado. And it's an amazing retreat center uh, for the sacred feminine with a temple for the goddess Tara. And it's like, it's the first real temple for the sacred feminine, Buddhist temple for the sacred feminine built in the United States. And the land there is very powerful. She has wild horses just roaming around. And I'm like that, you know, Lama Sultra Malioni has this wildness about her. She's, she has a Dakini energy about her. She's a really beautiful role model. And all of it came about because she followed her intuition. Her whole spiritual journey has been about following her intuition. Like she'll have these dreams. And from those dreams, they'll lead her on <laughs> to these like pilgrimages through Tibet to different places to meet different people. And same with, with, with building that retreat center. It was all built from an inner vision and I mean, if you want to learn about growing an online business or growing any business, it's like you, you have to follow and believe in the, the, the inside vision and then learn some tools and principles to bring it into the world, but never let those tools and principles um, override the, the inner vision because you'll, you'll burn out and you'll start making it about things that don't really matter to you at the end of the day. And that's not a fun place to find yourself. Well, it is. If you, then, then you have the contrast of, okay, I don't want to do it this way. I want to, there's a better way. I can do this. So there's a wide, wide world out there, and um, 
It's a lot to be discovered. If today's talk inspired you, and if you'd like support in healing and connecting to yourself, your inner life, and the world around you in a distinctly feminine way, you can learn more about the She Yoga and Meditation Teacher Training at SheYogaTraining.com. Registration is open right now, but just for three weeks this June. And an early registration discount is available until June 15th. Again, you can learn more at SheYogaTraining.com. If it feels right for you, I'd love to have you join us. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.